Welcome to Blunts and Bravo. You may have guessed from the name, but this here podcast is about smoking some fine cannabis and watching our favorite Bravo shows. Oh, yes. So if we're going to be honest about it, it's just the Bravo shows that we like, so there will be no below deck talk. We have not decided what we want to do about Southern Charm. We'll get there if we get there. Yeah, if we get there, we will. But, you know, it's about the housewives, uh, if we ever get Vanderpump rules back, and, you know, whatever Summer we house. want. Summer house. If we oh, ever get Project Runway? Yeah, if that ever happens again, that's going to be a tough one. Yeah. So let's introduce ourselves. I'm Tish. I'm Rhonda. And we welcome you to episode four of Blunts and Bravo. This week, we have decided to kind of break away from what we normally do, which is two different shows mm-hmm. a week. But Potomac has been so iconic this season that we decided we're going to just get through everything else. So this time around, we're talking about just the reunion parts. Uh, one and two. Yes. Buckle up, take a hit because it's going to get crazy. <laughs> Let's get to the first reunion episode. Yeah. The part one of a three part reunion, episode 20. And we're getting a 90 minute part three. Yeah, that's going to be intense because I don't think it's going to look good for Chris. Samuels um, or Bass? Samuels. Okay. Let's talk about the outfits first. Yes, we have the yellow Portugal theme. Yeah. Which, I mean, could we not have done a tropical theme with other colors? Because, well, I don't know. There are some beautiful yellow dresses, but no one got them except for... Monique. Monique. And although, to be fair, I liked Robin's because it was simple. And it looked good on her. Except her hair was terrible. I don't know the, what she the did printer, to it. She ran that wig through the fax machine and it was like low. And so she took it out and they're like, you got to get out on stage. You're already late. And so she went out there and that's what happened. Well, it's terrible. I mean, we know. I've shown you the memes. Yes. The people know. The people know that it's just, it's terrible. I don't know what's happening with Karen's bodice. It was her weird bra. She should have just let the titties be free because the way that it's cut across, she wore that clear bra with the like rhinestone middle which i don't understand and it clearly looks like she's wearing a bra underneath it I'm like girl slap some pasties on and be free yeah even if she felt like she needed the support she could have used tape instead because it was made for her yeah i don't understand why it it did that i thought monique's was beautiful i thought giselle looked like a lovely mother grandmother giselle looked like giselle and i think that's all you have to say if if you watch this show, oh, you know wow. what that means. Yeah. Giselle looked like Giselle. I loved that they showed the wig montage, especially considering that we have been saying how bad the wigs are for years. I so, mean, shout out to Karen, because those first few seasons before ooh. Steven got involved, I, I think I trauma blocked those out because I was like, Ooh, oh my God, especially her season one wigs. Mm. I was like, you're married to the Black Bill who? With that lace front? I don't think so, ma'am. Yeah, the wig, but it was funny to watch the different. But that's what happens when you don't have hairstylists who are looking out for you. I agree. And now I feel like Steven is looking out for her, and that's why they did the wig line. Or, you know, he allowed her to stamp the LaDom on it. 
and he is putting out the wig line. I don't know. Smart. You know what? Smart though. But you know, if use, she use your platform, exactly. use your clout to make your dreams come true. That's what I'm, it's all about. I'm okay with this, to be honest with you. Even if she just sold her likeness and her name, so to go on those wigs, she's still getting a cut. Mm-hmm. And Stevens, she's doing still well. in all the promotion. That's right. And Stevens, the one that's reaping the benefits of of being the founder of the company. I, yes. I think it's a win-win and being situation. The one who on national television upgraded Karen Huger's wig. Huzzah! Shout out to you, Stephen. Not happy with Andy this reunion. Oh, Andy! I was like, girl, what are you doing? Like, I, it felt like the fix was in. It felt heavily, oh, heavily anti-Monique. Yeah. Very and much so. It, you know, it. Ugh, that whole thing. But that's that's episode two. That's but episode but two. even in episode one, he upset me, and I'll tell you why. I think, and I know this is Andy, but I also think that this is a very low-key misogynistic thing to do, and that is to ask the oldest woman on the stage if she's had some plastic surgery done Mm -hmm. she looks great did you have some plastic surgery that's such a backhanded yeah i was watching that video and it looks like oh what's going on with your nose it looks like got a little little work done it's like okay andy i know that's his job and like i was saying like if he didn't ask it people on social media were gonna be like you really didn't ask about karen's nose but didn't necessarily (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought that it was not done in the kindest way. Yeah. And I think that's where my my misstep for Andy was from mm-hmm. the very beginning. He could have done it in a more delicate manner if he was going to ask about it. I thought it was interesting that the, he asked about how people have changed within the, the five years of the show. And I actually, it actually 110% made sense to me when Karen said that, you know, she had a big change in her life when her parents parents died Mm -hmm. and at first everyone on that stage was very much like oh great she's gonna bring up her dead parents again and and then it it, it dawns on you she's free she can be and say whoever she wants yeah she's not gonna disappoint anybody she's not gonna get a call from her mom or dad right saying hey you should have said i watched this what's going on i didn't raise you like that or you know whatever she's able to be her authentic self without worrying about disappointing and i think that's probably been very freeing Mm -hmm. for her i also think that in some ways her parents passing on made her realize that she really did need to work on her relationship Mm -hmm. with her husband because before yeah she was giving him something but well from what she said not much but the couple holes were close to him that's right but what i'm saying is that she was also caring for her ailing parents at the same time that takes a lot out of a person and and you know what none of those women during that period of time really were that compassionate to her yeah i think i should go back and rewatch that season because i'm trying to think like was giselle there for her no i think that she kind of went their relationship is so fucking weird oh they're they're at a point where they don't even like each other and they don't even act like they They like each other anymore were frenemies when this started and now i think it's more enemies yeah i know that karen's gone on a couple of shows and talked a lot of trash about giselle and giselle uses her platform with bravo to talk about you know listen we all know it was hilarious when karen said that giselle couldn't dress and she was embarrassed to be seen with her yes i have watched that clip about 50 million times i have here giselle and her fashion and karen went hard (laughs) she's always been therapeutic in quarantine 
I mean, I was like, wow, that was crazy. But also at the same time, I thought it was interesting that Wendy said that Giselle had pretty girl syndrome. Oh, she absolutely does. Oh, but she Robin does. does too. Robin just uh, dresses. I mean, I'm sure she sees Giselle and is like, oh, well, I'm not that bad. She's <laughs> like, I'll just rock my t-shirts and my jeans. And I mean, she, she does. She looks cute when she rocks it. Looks like, you know, little basketball mom that she is. Yeah. But um, it's I, I never been Robin's... anything as egregious as what Giselle has, you know, inflicted on us. It is kind of crazy. I feel like Giselle dresses for a 60-year-old matron as opposed to... See, I don't even know. I can't even make comparisons or be like, Giselle dresses like... Blah. Giselle dresses like a woman who doesn't know how to dress. I would like to go back at now and look at the pictures of Giselle's past reunions because mm-hmm. for some reason... I I always feel like she wears the the square shoulder. It's a long sleeve. It's a gown. It always gathers to one side and has a large rhinestone embellishment on the side that it's gathered on. And I feel like this might be the same dress she wears, like the same style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm not sure, but I have a feeling. This is season one when she had the gold dress. Okay. Queen Katie in the picture as well. We miss miss her. That last year though, those wigs were bad. <laughs> and here is a green dress that she wore. And um, to be honest, I didn't realize how bad she dressed until Karen said something. And it like, oh, like the light bulb went off because Giselle is so pretty that I don't think I really noticed. You're never like, that's an ugly outfit. Yeah. Because she's so pretty. I was like, oh, yeah, you're so pretty. Whatever. And then I'm like, my God, please get a stylist. Please. I think, uh, yeah, I think that will definitely come up next season. I think I would not be surprised if she gets one. And I think the one thing that kind of made me feel bad, and and let's be 110% honest, this first episode was drag Giselle up and down the corner oh my god those last five Multiple minutes times. yeah and so they're like when he when they were all going in on her on her fashion you could tell her feelings were kind of hurt and i felt bad for her i'm like okay well some people just don't have a certain level of taste you know and style i can't help that look i'm one of those girls i'll spend an hour and a half to get ready to go someplace and by the and i'll look perfect in the bathroom by the time i get to the car i look like i've been to world war three and i've seen things So I get that part, but she doesn't have that issue. She just doesn't know what clothes to pick. Yeah, she's like, "Mm, that looks good. Let's do it. And then she puts it on and we're like, girl, no. I'm just glad that she has not. (laughs) And I probably wouldn't have noticed until Karen was like, she walked in in a fucking burlap sack. And I'll be like, oh shit, that was a burlap sack. She will never do anything egregious as that um, season one heavy bang wig. That was tragic. I was like, what is this beautiful woman doing with that ugly wig? And I and I knew that either she didn't love herself or people were not looking out for her. Or both. Or both. Maybe people are afraid to, because she is very quick with the word. Her words are... Oh, yeah. She's got a razor sharp tongue. So I'm sure they were just like, I don't want that smoke. Like, let her dress ugly. If she want to dress ugly, it's not my business. No one's looking at what she's wearing. They're, they're all looking, looking at her they're face. They're not noticing. I can't tell you most of the stuff that Giselle has worn. I agree. All right. So let's get to the part that I feel like you and I are dancing around because it's icky. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't know quite how else to say it. It's really, 
I was very taken aback Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Now, um, Monique showed up with uh, what is being called the Thirst Book. It was a binder filled with receipts with color-coded sections for each one of the ladies. I like calling it the Binder-O receipts. Binder-O receipts. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was kind of prepared. She was ready kinda to go. Kind of prepared? Well, that okay. bitch was color-coded. Yeah, it was It was <laughs> insane. And, and I found it interesting that she went for Giselle first. But I think I know why. I think she feels that Giselle was the one that started the whole rumor stuff. And that she's really more angry about that than what happened between her and Candace. So Monique brings out the binder o receipts. Yes. And it comes up with Giselle cuz Giselle starts popping off a little bit, which I think is what brought the attention to her. Uh yes, and um Karen also sets it up a bit as well because she's asking her about Jamal and then Monique's like, "Well, hello. I have information I'd like to share." That's right. It does begin with uh Karen going in with on Giselle about Jamal. Mhm. Giselle being snippy with everyone about it. And let's talk about that for a moment. I have some information that I've been privy to because after this, Jamal put out a video of his own. Yes. To respond. And he did talk a little bit about Bravo and some shady editing. And normally I would roll my eyes and be like, whatever. But we know for a fact that Bravo did some shady editing in regards to Beverly Hills with Garcelle and... And Renna. And Renna. And then you find out in the scene that it's a much longer scene that was actually shown to us where Garcelle actually explains why she says it and makes it very... Oh, we're talking about um the... It was Amelia, wasn't it? Amelia, she came home, the whole eating disorder thing. And uh, Garcelle asked, do you think like you dancing around in your underwear on Instagram had an effect on her? And it's edited to look like Wow, she's being so mean and shady. But the longer clip of that is Garcelle's like, I'm not judging you. I'm just asking because my son is an addict and I wonder how my choices affect him all the time. And they had a beautiful moment and like half of them cried and then they edited it to be some bullshit. And and which made me angrier that they got on the reunion and kept perpetuating that same bullshit like they didn't know what she meant. You know what? Teddy got fired. That's all that matters. She's the one that was perpetuating it. That was a hundred. 110% true. She was the only one in that conversation that was sober that night because she was pregnant Mm -hmm. and she still went on national television and tried to make it look like Garcelle was attacking Rena when she knew that wasn't true. Okay, we digress. But what Jamal says is that for the photo shoot, Mm -hmm. he was actually in South Africa, I believe. And he ended up getting a layover in Germany for six hours. And it was longer than what it was supposed to be. So by the time he got to Atlanta, he missed his flight to Potomac. Mm. And he had called the producers. He'd called corporate bravo as well told them all he was going to be late and then the way they edited it made it seem like he just didn't show up like they mentioned briefly he'd missed his flight but you don't find out that he missed his flight because he was in south africa it wasn't like he just woke up late and missed the flight he had a six-hour layover you can't do anything about that yeah (laughs) and so he he had said that 
First of all, he's never going to be on the show again. Oh, no. He refuses. I don't have an issue with this, but it is going to cause issues for Giselle, I believe. If they stay together. Yeah, and let's get into that now. I would be very surprised if she does, just because of how she looks. She looks bad right now. Accusations were made from Karen that uh, Jamal is indeed not with Giselle Mm -hmm. and that um, Giselle just had Jamal around to keep her job and make her storyline interesting so she doesn't lose Potomac. Mm -hmm. And when Giselle tried to say that wasn't true, Monique popped in with her binder O receipts and brought out some paper, like a stack it was like it was stapled it was it several, was stapled it was it like was a script hole punched i was so impressed yeah and so she brings out this thing that is in it it's these text messages between this woman who is also a pastor that has been dating jamal for like the last 10 years and he had she has uh texts that say from jamal that oh yeah that their relationship him and giselle was just for reality just tv for reality don't worry TV, about not it to worry about it and and of course, Andy's like, well, how do you know these are even true? She's like, oh, do you need his phone number? And then Monique gave out Jamal's phone number. And of course, they blurred out her lips so you couldn't read it. And they bleeped it out so you couldn't hear it. But the look on Giselle's face was really hurtful. Like, yeah, it that's... was just, it was hurtful. Like, it hurt me. And I don't even like Giselle. And I was like, oh, man, that's, that's rough. <laughs> Yikes. That it's always amazing to me when the one on the show who has all the mouth gets called out by somebody else and they can't say shit because it's all true. It happens to all the greats at some point, all yes. the great housewives. But uh, ooh, this was that moment. Mon- Monique and- really uh, brought that. And she was like, don't. And everybody's like, what are you doing this for? And she like deflected them off like she couldn't fucking hear them. And she was on a mission. And the mission was to drag Giselle. And mission was accomplished as soon as Giselle said, yeah, that's his number. Oh, Candace is... That's unfortunate. I think that was all of us. That was all of us in that moment. And and I'll have to say, Potomac this season... Bringing it. Not did they just... They, they brought it, but also twice. Twice on this show this season, I have just felt my heart break for two of these women. And they're two of them I don't normally even like. Like, I felt for Karen when Ray said he thinks he's in love with her yeah oh yeah that like was that painful. was that was painful to watch and i just felt for her and then for giselle in this moment it's like and don't get me wrong like giselle has gone low like really low like the stuff her and robin say about karen and ray especially when they know that they're trying to make their relationship work yeah is just disgusting to me and some might say that what monique did was karma but you could tell how much that hurt. Oh, yes. I saved the screenshot of just uh, Giselle looking. She just, like, done. she can't talk. She can't respond because the shit is true. Yeah, what are you going to say? So, this is the look of a woman who got red down to her toenails. Yeah. And she doesn't have a response. And who could blame her? Who could blame her in that moment? But, and this is my but in this, why do these people on these shows, and I'm making it blanket, 
think that they can do things on the side and it's not going to come up. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about this with Giselle. I'm talking about the Michael Darby stuff with Ashley. I'm talking about the stuff with Leanne. The racist stuff with Leanne from, mm-hmm. from Dallas. Uh-huh. How did she not think that shit wasn't going to come up? Yeah. Okay, so something has happened with reality television in the last few years, and I've noticed it on The Housewives, uh, with Dallas in uh, particular, and then it happened in Jersey, where when Danielle and pulled Margaret's hair, yes. and you find out that Teresa was like, go do it. Or, you yeah, know? that she was a part of it. Yeah, and she thought that Bravo wasn't going to put that in and Melissa's like they are gonna put that in and they pull the shot back and you see all the crew was there and it's like hey reminder you're on television and everything you're doing here is recorded and so if you're on some bullshit we're gonna call you on it now so you can't bravo bravo fucking bravo out of it (laughs) I think that it was already happening I think that Beverly Hills with Denise okay I think with Beverly Hills Denise made it very obvious with her whole bravo 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 but i think before that they were already starting to turn that way Mm -hmm. it just took denise to make it very obvious to the audience that this is stuff that's happening behind the scenes because if you remember correctly we used to never see the producers yeah ever Mm -hmm. and it seems like we see the producers a lot now we see them we hear from them Off camera when they're asking them questions in the confessional. We know how that goes down. I actually think Vanderpump started that. I think Vanderpump was the first show that I noticed the producers asking questions of the cast Mm -hmm. during interviews. They probably always did it. I just think that Vanderpump was the first one to show it was happening. Okay. But hey, my personal opinion, keep this shit up this is the stuff that i live for it's one thing to be on a show about your life and it's reality television but yet it seems very scripted and you never recognize the fact that you are walking around the city with a camera crew behind you and that it just seems normal yeah no just it is what it is it's like it's better to say i'm trying to live my life while these cameras are on me and there's gonna be times i'm gonna be awkward about it and there's gonna be times where I might forget but at least you know that I realize the cameras are there now it seems more I think the one thing that's bothering me about the Bravo shows and and it's being brought up a lot lately is oh you're just doing this for a storyline you're doing this so you get screen time yeah and that's one of those things where they all just look petty and shallow and I don't I don't know It's kind of like uh, pro wrestling in a way because you know that it's scripted and the winner is predetermined before you go out there, but you don't know how they come to that decision. You, the cameras aren't there when they're like, okay, The Rock's going to win the title tonight. And you don't necessarily want to be, you don't necessarily need to or want to know how the sausage is made. Thank you. I was just going to say that. And I think that that is something that Bravo is going to need to watch because they might tip. Yeah, you can't break the fourth wall that much. The only people who can really do that and get away with it is the Kardashians. And that's because they've been on TV. TV for like a million years and, and their whole premise has been this yeah like, and they can't pretend like they haven't been on a tv show for the last 20 years and that they 
they aren't insanely rich now and that they all live in these mansions and that the crew has been part of their lives. I know that a lot of people talk a lot of crap about the Kardashians, but as a person who watches reality television a lot, Mm. I have to say that I have an appreciation for them because they have found that sweet spot of recognizing that they're on a show. And that they're all incredibly famous. That they're all incredibly famous, but also it's not, I feel like they're real, like the really heavy storyline if you want to call it that that's going through that show is stuff that's really happening to them mm-hmm. and then the kind of goofy silly things um like the practical jokes and all that oh I every think, time they prank chris i fucking live it's hilarious but you know that those are pretty scripted mm-hmm. you know like those are thought up and and so forth but a lot of times it's just real where sometimes you get the feeling with Bravo, especially with how heavy handed they're doing with the producer stuff now, that it some storylines or some scenes seem very, very fake. Mm-hmm. My prime example for that is Salt Lake City and the intro to all of them, especially Jen. It was such, this is not the way they act normally. Mm-hmm. And it was obvious it was not the way they acted normally. And the only thing that saved that scene for me was her husband and sons, like, acting like we all knew that this yeah. was a joke just like, like oh they did. oh my God, kissing girls, I would never. That made it entertaining and that showed enough of we know we're on a show and that it can be ridiculous. And I appreciate that but I don't know I think that there are certain times that maybe the producers meddle a little too much I'm not saying for Potomac but I do worry that that is a habit that Bravo might get into we did not talk about something that was brought up in this first part of the reunion and uh it was Wendy that brought it up oh yes Oh, yeah. I I figured we were going to circle back around to this. Yes, the colorism discussion. Yeah, that was interesting for me on several levels. Mm-hmm. And I know that you and I had a moment afterwards where, you know, I came to you for a teachable moment to find out more about this. I don't feel like I can have an opinion. Mm-hmm. On this, my only issue is that I felt like Wendy passed up a teachable moment mm-hmm. for the public because Andy asked her, and and maybe you should explain colorism a little. Okay, so if you don't know what colorism is, it's uh, pretty much the uh, oh, a simple way to dis- to describe it is it's a bias against people who have darker skin and a bias towards people who have lighter skin. And so Wendy was saying that there seemed to be an issue with colorism within the the cast oh, and the things that were up said. With uh Ashley calling her aggressive. And they got into it a little bit on the discussion that we were listening to. I myself can only take you so far because I am a light skin black woman myself Mm -hmm. and I did not necessarily know I didn't know what the term colorism was I hadn't heard of it but when I was younger my sister did tell me that my life would be easier because I was lighter and I didn't really understand what that meant until I got older and I do have that privilege I'm lighter skin I'm like I look nerdy I have glasses people expect it you know I look like you're gonna cheat off my test if you sit next to me in school Well, I mean, which would not have been a good idea for anybody, especially on math class, because 
Uh, I don't know that shit. I understand that um, historically and especially in spaces like reality television, women of a darker hue are more easy to dismiss, more easy to just say, oh, you're being, you're the angry one or the crazy one or the, you know, the blah, blah, blah. In this particular instance, which was Ashley, who was a biracial woman, saying that Wendy, who was a Nigerian woman, was being aggressive and what in the way that she speaks right and in that circumstance I didn't even question it because like if you call me a bitch within like the first five minutes of dinner starting I'm gonna call you aggressive but no matter who it is right however words do mean things Mm mm-hmm So you have to know, especially when you're in a format that is public, that the world is watching, you kind of have to, you have to pick your words carefully. And Wendy, I will agree that some words are definitely dog whistles. It's an easy way for people who uh, like already might be racist and we're just like looking for a reason right? to be like, oh, well, I mean, they said it. I'm just saying what they said. It wasn't me. So, uh, yeah, I, I understand that. And I think that it is it was actually a very, very good learnable moment for everyone who watched it. But I felt like it was a little lost because Andy does ask then if, if aggressive shouldn't be used, what words should be used? And she literally mm-hmm. just kind of shooed him off and didn't answer. And I thought that was weird, especially considering the things that she teaches and she is a professor, that she would not take that learnable moment and make it happen. Yeah. And I was kind of disappointed in that because at the end of that segment, I hadn't learned any better way to articulate it. Yeah, she was just kind of like, pick another word. And... I mean, that's okay. I mean, that's great. Pick a synonym. But now, I don't know, Google it, I guess. Make sure it doesn't have any weird racial connotation behind it. Yeah, that was the only part about it. I thought that it was an interesting subject to broach. I felt that it was fallen short in how it could have been. I, I do wonder how much of that conversation, because this shot for 11 hours, they said. Yeah. How much of that got was was there a fuller conversation had we'll never know and because they have to edit this shit down like hour 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 I mean they don't have to but that's what they chose to do but we'll I I felt like they only gave us a drop into that conversation and it could have gone a lot deeper and I also feel that it could have been very very helpful and I know this might sound silly but helpful to the nation because you know this past year has been crazy and with you know the BLM movement and how, you know, all the injustices that have happened, it would have been a good moment to kind of help educate. Mm-hmm. you know, um, everybody else that is outside of the black community. And I kind of felt like I wish they had, even if that meant giving us a part four and having one just about that, mm-hmm. I, I would have appreciated it and felt like, wow, they are using this platform, you know, for something more than just garbage television. Yeah. And the thing is, Bravo has done it. All, I mean, they have been pretty consistent in making sure that, you know, people are, are hearing what's happening and, and, from not just the outlook of a white journalist or a white yeah, they're celebrity. they're amplifying their black voices they're, that exactly. are on the channel. Exactly, which, which I feel has been absolutely fantastic. I just really think that this could have been a great moment mm. 
and it was made into kind of a passerby moment. Yeah, yeah, I wanted more from it. Yeah. So I was thinking over the course of uh, part one that Wendy and Karen, I felt like are were on a little... Like, they understood each other more? Like, they were on a more common ground? Does that make sense? They Um, weren't as, like, shitty to each other as they were on the season. Like, Wendy helped her out with, like, the ageism thing. She was quick to to jump in when Andy brought up the floozy freelancer thing to clarify that that's not what Karen said. I'm kind of hoping that Wendy watching the season... I'm saying this as someone that I'm not won over by her. I'm Mm -hmm. not feeling her much at all. But I would like to think that she is the type of woman who would have watched this show and realized that there were times she was overly shady to Karen that she didn't need to be. Mm -hmm. And that it looked like maybe she was perpetuating I think it was defensiveness. I think she was defensive a lot. I think she was too. And I think part of it had to do with the fact that she'd never been on a show like this before. You know, this is a whole lot different than commentating. Yeah. Or being in, if she's used to like more academic circles, Yeah, you know, is... and, and her coming to be like, oh, I have four degrees. And they're like, great. Anyway. <laughs> Like, yeah, but your shoes are trash. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's care just, about that. Yeah. like, we're going to Portugal. You can't bring your degrees to Portugal. Let's. <laughs> and I think that was a learning curve for her. But I do think at the same time that she did watch it and was like, oh, that was me. Yeah. That wasn't her. And I need to fix that. Yes. Also in the colorism discussion, I I did not like how they tried to like dismiss Monique in it. Yes. That was bothersome to me. I think that I I think that we can say this a little bit going into as we're getting ready to go into the second part of the reunion recap is that if anything, this second episode shows that there is bias in regards to Andy (laughs) and it is not team Monique. Yeah. So and this started showing to me during the colorism. Mm-hmm. Ashley also brought I wrote down at the end of the finale when Michael's throwing his little fit and they finally get out of the restaurant when Ashley is like if I ever acted like you did like it fuck off and she was so mad and that's also I, I don't think that she I don't know if she necessarily noticed it but that is definitely a thing that a black woman could say about a white man because she would not have that grace to have that tantrum the way he does and, and probably still he's be okay. able, yeah and like still be able to keep jobs or whatever they'd be like oh she's crazy well i agree and i think in that regards when it came to michael it shows his entitlement oh absolutely when he was in the production office and producers are like you can't be in here and he's like yes i can yeah it was just you know i have a right to that footage <laughs> and it was just like whoa man So before we go into the second episode of The Reunion, part two, I want to talk a little bit more about the Jamal Bryant conversation. Um, I know. Uh, First of all, he does his own video and for like, first of all, for like the first two minutes, you're just sitting here, seeing him fiddle while they like fiddling with stuff and and just sitting down to another. I was like, could you not have edited this? I don't understand. (laughs) It doesn't take that much to edit. You gotta, you gotta. You started this live before you were 
already? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was weird. And so then he starts and, you know, he goes straight in to the woman that sent the text messages to uh, Monique and talks about how he wasn't really in a relationship with her. And first of all, he goes off for a very long time about the fact that he is a single man, that he is not married and he is not engaged. Mm-hmm. And it is okay for him if he wants to meet someone and, you know, get to know them you know, type of thing, which I thought, well, okay, yeah, you're right if this happened a couple of years ago, but if it's happening now and you're supposed to be with Giselle, that's a whole other story. Yeah. So then he goes in and he goes hard. Now, I'm going to say he had his own binder and I kind of think it was upside down. (laughs) I think that the binder was done as supposedly a witty response to Monique's binder. Yes. I also think that... I lost my train of thought. Jamal. Jamal. Okay, he had the binder and he did say that Giselle had asked him not to do this and that normally he would respect her wishes, but But fuck that. Yeah, basically. (laughs) So that's when he tells about the story about how he'll never be on Bravo again, that he never wanted to be on a show like that and he went against his better judgment because Giselle wanted him to. And then he kind of talked about he was pretty mad about Bravo because it made it seem like he was a deadbeat dad and that he had a really good relationship with his kids and that he kind of pawned off their anger for most of the season because he usually takes them to the first day of school and he wasn't able to this year and I was like son we all watched yeah no that had nothing to do no child is pissed like those girls were because oh you didn't show up for school one time yeah it was kind of gross but that was his story to tell then he goes in on the woman that got the allegations to Monique and what he said was that he had dated her previously but he didn't make it sound like it was a long relationship. He said that she was also a pastor and kind of insinuated that she was a not very good one (laughs) and that she was trying to get a job with him and when he hired another woman she was really angry and he told her that she was terrible and that her dissertation for her PhD was weak and lacked interest and like he went hard on her and then the story he tells about that is that she had tried to shop these texts around to the blogs and only one or two of them picked up not enough for her so then she took it to Bravo to the production team and they didn't want it and then she sent it to all of the housewives except for Giselle and that that Monique was the only one that used it Mm -hmm. Now, he doesn't go very hard in on Monique. Like, I expected him to flip out. He did not. He he went after the woman that sent the text messages and only a tiny bit on Monique about how she had bad judgment. And then he went in on, on Chris Samuels. And just, you know, he would have never said it to Chris's face. But he basically says that Chris is a violent man. He's that, you know, that he's violent, that he has issues. um, Yeah, the CTE. That that was a real low blow. It was. That he has CTE and that Chris's uh, teammates have come to him and expressed concern. And it just... It was gross. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was gross that he went in on either Moni or the other woman. 
You know, I think him saying simply, I had been in a relationship with her previously and these text messages are from a long time ago. But, you know, you can't explain the fact that it says from him that he's only with Giselle because they're on a reality TV yeah, show. We've seen the text. Uh, the lady Tanya did a live the other day, I believe on All About the Tea. And while it was not the kind of hot tea that I wanted, especially coming out of the uh, discussion that we had been in on, on Clubhouse listening to mm-hmm. about Potomac, and that was a very lively discussion with a lot of different you know, opinions and things like that. And it was, yeah, and it was really cool to listen to. And then she kind of like brought the mood down. And I mean, that's not her fault, but like, I guess that's more on me expecting uh, this expose. I thought the tea would be a little hotter. Yeah. And it was, and it was very boring. It was very lukewarm. Yeah. Okay. So I know that we had said we were going to cover episode one and two, but. The time is getting long and we have a lot to say. Yeah, episode two is a lot. So we're going to go ahead and close it up. I feel that the stuff that we just talked about with with Jamal and everything that could be considered blogs. Mm -hmm. And so now I guess it's time for Blunt and Bravo. All right. So would you like to tell the people what that is? Okay. Blunt and Bravo is every week in the Bravo universe, (laughs) we pick someone who has been exemplary or impressive or fun or whatever and we give them a bravo Mm -hmm. good job and then for those who have been total shits we give them blunts because they need to calm down yes a lot so also we've kind of decided instead of doing separate ones we'll only do separate ones when we don't agree yes okay so this week we're doing it together Yes, so our Bravo this week is going to Monique and her binder because of the way it dominated the close of the episode. It was beautiful. And Giselle had nothing to say. Because it was all true. Because it was all true. Yeah. And even Andy was like, oh God. (laughs) Oh, even Candace. Candace was like, oh, that's unfortunate. (laughs) And it was. So yeah, we're going to give it to, and maybe even if it's not Monique, it's to Monique's binder. Yes. Because it was beautiful. It looked beautifully organized. It did. I want to know what else is in there. What's in it. There was a tab for everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now it is time for our blunt. So this week we thought about it and we decided that our blunt is going to go to Giselle. Even though she took a beating the last five minutes. She did. It does not take away from the fact that she really did try to cause a lot. She looked really ugly this season. Oh, very. And I'm not talking about her outer looks. I mean, character. She told Wendy a bunch of stuff about Karen that wasn't true. Yeah, that floozy freelancer, Karen, never said that. And thankfully, Wendy even agreed that Karen never said that. I think next season, her and Karen will probably get along a bit better. I agree. I, I think so, too. I I still am on the fence with Wendy. I yeah, I don't know that they'll... I'm on the not-too-cool side. I don't know that they'll ever be friends, but right. I think they'll get along and understand each other a little bit more. I also want to see how Wendy's going to be next season in the way she acts and reacts to the women because I do think that she got a big eyeful of herself yes. this season. So that is our Blunts and Bravo for the week and if you would like to comment or suggest any Bravo watching you think we might need to do, 
please feel free to do the, do so by emailing us at bluntsandbravo, all one word, at gmail.com or... You can also follow us on the Instagrams. Same thing, bluntsandbravo, all one word. Excellent. So we're going to be right back in a hot second because it's already recorded. Yes. And <laughs> we're going to bring you a reunion episode two. So until then, stay, stay safe and stay baked. baked.